Hi, this is Savio. I've been seeking answers to some of life's most perplexing questions my entire life. In 2014, I was diagnosed with stage 3 cancer. And ever since, I realized my calling existed outside of what I knew to be familiar. This podcast is home for survivors like myself and those who yearn to build resilience in their mindset and live their best life. In Season 3, the show includes a mix of coaching sessions followed by interviews with those from all walks of life who have been successful in the wellness, business, media, and travel industries. The intent is to show the human experience in its rawest form so that others may glean insight. Nothing is rehearsed. As a board-certified wellness coach, number one best-selling author, and syndicated columnist, my job is to ask the deep questions of those trying to make sense of their place in this fractured world. I believe life speaks to us in different ways. Many of us listen, but don't know how or where to begin. As someone who has crossed the bridge between life and death, I say simply, begin where you are now and get busy living. If you liked today's episode, I would appreciate it if you could share it. Be sure to tag me at The Human Resolve so I can reciprocate in kind. So without further ado, welcome to The Human Resolve Podcast. Today's podcast guest on resilience is artist, author, and wellness advocate Sakina Ibrahim. As Sakina states, my family had experienced the results of gang violence. My father was incarcerated at a young age. My grandfather passed away really young. And so I saw the women in my family really developed the strong sense of faith and a strong sense of inner power. My grandmother was in town visiting me and I said to her, Grandma, you've been through so much. How did you get through it all? And she says, I never complained. Hello, hello, everyone. My name is Sakina Ibrahim. I am an author, artist, and wellness advocate. My books are Big Words to Little Me, Advice to the Younger Self, which received an NAACP Image Award nomination. And my most recent book is titled To Begin a Journey in Self-Love and Healing. Wow. Awesome. So, Sakina, you and I connected because you contributed to my interview series with Authority Magazine and Thrive Global, Rising Through Resilience, How to Be More Resilient During Turbulent Times. And, you know, I love the fact that you started the article with this idea of challenging, challenges and sort of this idea of overcoming. It's those two words are often overused. And when they're used, they're not as powerful because people assume that's what everyone needs to do. But I love the way that you sort of brought it home with your background. Can you just speak more to that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, challenges and overcoming, I think, is so overused because it's part of life. And the sooner we can accept that it's part of the formula to life and how we build our strength, uh, the more exhilarating of a life experience we can have is what I can say. Um, So I feel like my childhood background really introduced me uh, to intense challenges at an an early age. Um, And so I had to have a a lot of maturity. Uh, My family had experienced the results of gang violence. Uh, my, My father was incarcerated at a young age. Uh, my grandfather passed away really young and so i saw the women in my family um, really develop this strong sense of faith 
and a strong sense of inner power and determination to overcome you know, all these bombs that were happening to them. And you know, when you're a child, you don't have the language to express what's happening around you. You just see it and, and it impacts you definitely emotionally. <laughs> um, but not to say that the women in my family didn't hurt um, through their challenges and obstacles, but I saw them have a strong amount of faith and inner peace that they were gonna get into it. And um, quick story, my grandmother was in town visiting me and I, I said to her, you know, she's in her older age. And I said, grandma, you've been through so much. How did you get through it all? And she says, I never complained. And that is exactly what I needed to hear because that's what I saw. She never complained. She kept her peace. And she said, I would just say this too shall pass. And, and that is something, you know, that I think was, is inherent in how I've dealt with my own life challenges. <laughs> how I've been able to deal with them just because it's how I was socialized and, and what I saw. Yeah. It's so, so amazing to me that you use that particular phrase from grandmother because when I, so I'm a cancer survivor and when I got diagnosed, the doctors in the hospital even said to me, we've, we've told hundreds of people this and the way you reacted is just startling to us. And I said, because what am I supposed to do? Complaining about it is not gonna solve the problem. I just, exactly. you just need to give me what you need to give me and I need to just take it in and figure it out. So I just love that you spoke to that. And also, you know, you mentioned the article about your uncle and how he was paralyzed and how like that sort of cultivated this idea of compassion for you. Like it has compassion been something that you can easily um, sort of trigger or you can easily sort of um, uh, get to, or is it something that you feel sometimes, you know, it's really hard for you to sort of find compassion, especially in our complex world that we live in today? You know, I think that compassion is one of the gifts that God gave me, honestly. I think when, you know, God created Sakina Ibrahim, he said, I'm going to give her an extra dose of compassion um, and knowing that I would need it, right? When you have someone in your family who's disabled or ill, and again, as a child, you're experiencing these different uh, dynamics, there's so much innocence inside of you where you're trying to understand what's going on, but all you know that this is this is a person that you love. And this is a person uh, who was able-bodied and full of life and playing drums and, you know, had picked me up from the bus stop as a kid one day. And then the next, you know, we were in a hospital and he was in a coma for a very long time. And I grew up in and out of the hospitals visiting him. And then when he came home, he was blind and mute and paralyzed. And so there's this being, this human being, this person that you love so much that you have to give love and care to and they can't give anything back. So that is this unconditional amount of love and compassion because it's like, well, you're still here, right? <laughs> you're still here. Um, and, and you're a person that we, we all care for that was still so full of life. Um, so that that is definitely something that comes easy to me. Uh, I don't understand the world we live in sometimes and, and why it's so difficult for people to be compassionate and empathetic because I'm like, do you not see yourself in this situation? Do you not realize that that can be you tomorrow? Do you, you know, or any minute now, you know, no moment is guaranteed. Um, you know, nothing is guaranteed 
to, to any of us, you know, even a homeless person on the street, your life can change in the blink of an eye and that could be you. I've seen it happen. Um, so it is sometimes very frustrating to see the cold, cold world uh, we live in. But I do have hope because I think the recent circumstances of the pandemic has really allowed people to center themselves on what's really important and has taught everybody how fast life can change and that it's important that we feel and have compassion and empathy for each other. Yeah. I know also in the article you spoke about sort of auditioning for a beauty shop. Curious about how self-compassion works for yourself, like in that moment. Can you speak a lot about that experience? Sure. Well, you know, I feel like when it comes to big sort of career breaks that I've had as an artist, as a, a dancer and singer and actress, that I've had to, you have to will yourself through doors. Mm -hmm. You know, you, not, not only um, through having the talent and ability and what you do when you get through the door, but a lot of times you have to just fight for opportunities, you know? And um, in, in my performance career, there's times where the ball is dropped, right? <laughs> like, you know, there's times where the, it's like anything that's supposed to go wrong in dress rehearsal or, <laughs> you know, anything that's supposed to go wrong before a show is going to go wrong. Anybody in the arts knows this, especially, you know, folks on the production side. Um, but I have found that you have to kind of take a moment and breathe and will yourself through the next thing with this mentality of, okay, it has no choice but to work. And so even when I come up against different, you know, obstacles, I just think about what do I have to do to get to the other side of this, you know? So in, in Beauty Shop, that, that was completely my perspective too. You know, it was an all-star cast, you know, Kim Whitley, Tiffany Haddish, the legendary Shelly Garrett, may he rest in peace. This is LA, so the talent is out the roof. <laughs> There's so much talent there. You know, in this show, Beauty Shop had broken so many um, barriers for African-Americans in theater when it was first written. And we all know there's a, a film also called Beauty Shop too. Um, but when they decided to bring it to LA, there's not a lot of theater in LA. So to bring um, a historical, you know, black comedy show to the Wilshire E. Bell, the pressure was really high and there was an all-star audience, you know, Wendy Raquel and the mm. OWN Network was recording it and it was a lot of pressure. But you have to just breathe, rely on your talent, art and hard work that you put in and trust it and the rest is up to God. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I also loved in the article where you mentioned that you found throughout your life that the heart is really what matters the most. Because I teach head, heart, and gut, which, you know, there's been case studies of the fact that those vibrate some level of consciousness, of awareness. I just love the fact that you honed in on the fact that people get stuck in their head so much, but they really need to listen to the heart. How has the heart led you to places that have, that have served you well? The heart has led me to all places that have served me well. A part of my life philosophy and teaching philosophy is also mind, body, soul, right? And because I'm a dancer, I have a very deep connection to the body 
And I, I know when something's in alignment and I know when something is not because I can literally feel it. <laughs> and, you know, when you have a deep spiritual practice, you meditate, you pray, you know, you read, you read your, your word, I read the Bible, or, you know, you read your, your text, your ancient text of wisdom. <laughs> um, and you develop a connection with, with God, there's something inside of you where you don't have to rely on your mind. You know, the word tells us lean not into your own understanding, right? Because the mind like fluctuates. It's like, <laughs> I feel this way and I feel this way. And I feel, you know, it goes all these different directions. Um, but your heart is, is the truth, right? Your truth relies in your heart and in your soul. And when I'm at a crossroads, and I've been at so many crossroads, when I'm at a crossroads, I feel like taking the time to pause and, and literally ask myself, what do I feel here? If it gets mm. tight, if it gets constricted, if it starts beating really fast, I know that that is probably not the right direction to go. But if I have peace and I have ease and calm, then that's probably the direction to go. Not that I've always listened. <laughs> well, um, you you learn that through time. Like, oh, I mean, when it's being fast, that's don't do that. Got it. You know. <laughs> well, it also you reminds me. <laughs> also reminds me of the article too. You mentioned your mother always used to say, "Be a leader, don't be a follower." How has her words still impacted you today? You know, my mom is a very wise, wise woman, and she had me at a young age. And she raised my brother and I to be able to think for ourselves, to be, um, I feel like she raised us as young adults in some ways. You know, it wasn't always do this, do that. It was, what do you want to do? So that we could have the critical thinking skills um, so that we could know the difference between right and wrong and know what it feels like when you do wrong, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, just she's just such a wise wise woman and she raised she has all these sayings like what's that got to do with the price of tea in china <laughs> you're like what <laughs> she said a quote about a frog the other day and i was like i have no idea what this means and so me my brother and i can can laugh at it but the things that she has taught us in the the um fun you know colloquialisms that she shared over the years as i grow and mature and um, my own womanness makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. She has always, you know, taught us to lead with faith, to trust God, and to trust ourselves. You know, and she's always really just wanted the best for for my brother and I. And when you grow up in an environment where that's the language, right? I want you to be the best. I want you to do your best. That's the expectation you have of yourself you know, inherently. So I'm, I'm really fortunate to have um, so much wisdom and guidance from my mom. And I talk to her about everything. Yeah. So if I'm dating you, my mom knows, you know. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, Sakita, how do you define the word resilience? Mm. Resilience is the ability to never give up and stand undefeated. Ooh. Yeah, and I have that tattooed here. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You can see it. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, undefeated. Um, and that's a that's a, a family mantra we have um, through the through the lens of my uncle's life. You know, of fight to the end. 
until the very end because you know what? I wish someone would have told us a long time ago that life wasn't easy. <laughs> I feel like you like grow up and then you figure out like, oh, this thing isn't easy. You're either on your way into something or on your way out of something, um, you know, one obstacle or another. But to build yourself up and to build, you know, our children and young people up with a mentality of resilience really prepares them, prepares them for life because you can try to make it easy, but we're not orchestrating this thing. You know, not all of it anyway. (laughs) I like how you also mentioned in the piece about fear and pain and how you need to move forward. And if you do not move forward, if if pain and fear can't stop you, nothing will. I was like, wow, that's such a great mm-hmm. mantra to even say. Can you speak a little bit more of, of that? Yeah, pain is a part of life. Fear is a part of life, but also hope and happiness and freedom are on the other side of that. And there's nothing that you want to experience that won't have a little fear in front of it Mm. you know i feel like sometimes when we feel fear that is the direction that we need to grow towards Mm. sorry that just got me (laughs) i'm going through some things i'm speaking to my own heart when you feel the fear that's the thing you need to grow towards um, to get past the fear um of course never in the form of danger (laughs) and um you know pain you have to build the tolerance you have to build the tolerance for for pain for being able to accept it being able to sit with it uh, being able to let it pass which I'm, i'm sure you you know and understand from what you've been through is that it you have to allow it to pass you can't avoid it you know, it's part of our experience in allowing our souls to grow and to get the lessons that we need to get in life. And um, it's just it's just a part of the wave. You know, you got to think of all of this as the ocean <laughs> and that there's these waves, there's these highs, there's these lows, and you're just right in the ocean. So when I'm in a low, I just, I'm present with it. I'm like, oh, this, this means that I, I might have to just shut it all down and be present and feel my low and write about my low and pray about my low and you know ask what is this trying to teach me so i can get through it Um, but there's nothing you can do to avoid it you know and we live in a society that wants to avoid all the pain we want to drug it away in my book i talk about sex it away you know we want to shop it away just like the solange song (laughs) we want to do all these things to avoid the pain but what if we were to sit with it grow from it and never have to face it again, you know, and really move on. Yeah. Well, this also reminds me of something you mentioned in there that part of resilience is letting go so that everything else could fall into place. It's like, wow. It's like, wow. It's such an easy thing to think about, but such a hard thing to do. That part. Yes. (laughs) I was going to say it's a practice, right? Like a lot of things that I'm sharing in the article are just, you know, they're, they're things that I know from my life, my life, <laughs> but they're difficult to master. Mm-hmm. You literally have to practice with every circumstance and you have to develop it within yourself. You know, um, letting go is difficult. 
you know, letting go of someone or something that you've lost, letting go, especially, hold on, letting go of something you really, really love, right? But knowing that if if your spirit, if your gut is telling you to let go, there's, there's a reason why, right? Your intuition doesn't lie. And there's something on the other side of letting go that's going um, to make sense. And you're like, oh, okay, I, under I understand that now. Um, but there's so much joy and surrender. I mean, we could do it in our bodies, right? This is when we're holding on. That actually doesn't feel good, right? I feel constricted. I feel restrained. I feel tight. But when I let go, I open my arms, I surrender. Everything can fall and I can receive it. You know, so that's that's how I think about it. That's how I, I hope your listeners will start to think of <laughs> think of letting go too. It's just opening your arms, opening your heart, opening your mind, so everything can fall into place. Sometimes we have a plan. There's a saying: when you have a plan, God is laughing. That saying is there for a reason. You never know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, hundred percent. So, how do you see resilience and courage as one and the same? or different? Ooh, I think resilience and courage are actually different. I didn't know I was going to say that. Yeah, they're different. <laughs> I think resilience, I think courage is required in order to be resilient. Yeah, so courage is the heart posture. Courage is the deep breath that you take before you execute, before you go to war, before you say what you need to say. That's the that's something that comes from deep within you. Courage to do it anyway. The the um, strength and the belief of what it is that you're fighting for um, or that you desire and want, and that comes from within inside. But resilience is to not give up until you're there. Resilience is your endurance. Resilience is, you know, your abil ability to just keep swimming, just keep swimming. <laughs> that's the that's the resilience. So they support each other, uh, but they, I don't I don't think they're the same. I know you mentioned in the article about it was courageous when you wrote your book. I, I would love some more context on that. So my book to begin a journey in self love and healing is a very introspective look at me, <laughs> flaws and all. Um, and thinking about how the painful lessons of my life through relationships and uh, through grief, um, through failure, through my dreams, how these different life experiences have guided me in my healing and in learning to love myself because we really love and want to be loved by everyone else without really doing the investigation of what it is or doing the um the inner work right of loving ourselves and I always say i write about in the book well how can you expect someone to love you who doesn't love themselves right that's like going to a gas station you know looking for groceries you're going to find snacks, <laughs> but you're not going to find what you really need there. It just doesn't exist. And so writing this book 
one, I had to be intimate, right? And, and reflect and, you know, share intimate details about uh, my upbringing, about my life. And it's literally the other day I was like, why did I write that book? <laughs> because, because it's so raw, you know, I talk about my um, decade long relationship with a really incredible man and he experienced the unfortunate skydiving accident. And I was there as his partner and his lover and his caregiver. Um, and it was very reminiscent of my childhood, right? Very reminiscent mm, yeah. of caring for my uncle as a child. And here I am a young adult, you know, in, in a very, you know, triggering to, you know, in traumatic um, relationship. And there was so many beautiful things that I learned, again, about unconditional love and support. Mm and you know beauty and making beauty out of life you know and i uh, always have so much compassion and understanding for those who have disabilities it's part it's part of my upbringing it's part of who i am um and so even digging into that you know and sharing details of of that relationship and the courage it took to walk away what i was going to do after um <laughs> you know because it start after you've been with someone 10 years like who am i you know and so going through it, I'm, I am grateful that I wrote the book because getting through it is one thing, but consciously getting through it is another, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I was writing my way into my healing and into my freedom, you know, through these, through the guilt and, <laughs> you know, the shame and, you know, writing about things in the book that I hadn't even shared with my mom, right? And she calls me and she's like, hey, did, have you have you been through certain things that we never talked about? And I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, and, and these moments are really raw. And I have to remember, this isn't a made up character. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm talking about the life and journey of Sakina Ibrahim. <laughs> yeah. And um, I didn't really think about what that meant while I was writing it. I just knew it was um, something necessary for me to do. And I knew that it was um, going to help set other women and people free in their own journey and to accept that it's just a journey mm, yeah. yeah also i love the fact that you quote audrey hepburn and how she says nothing is impossible the word itself means i'm possible i like yeah. so love that it's yeah. so good is is that um a call to action for you is is that something that's always sort of allowed you to push forward even though there's obstacles in your path? Yeah, you know, I, I quote Audrey Hepburn in my first book, Big Words to Little Me, um, which really was written to help empower young people, right? To help empower the 12-year-olds. Um, and then there was women who were like, oh no, this was, this helped me out. And I was like, oh, okay, it's intergenerational, got it. <laughs> and I thought I made it up. I made up impossible, I'm possible. <laughs> then after some research, <laughs> you know, you see this fierce picture of Audrey and her pearls and her black, and she's like, and it's like, the word itself says <laughs> I'm possible. But I, I strongly stand by that. You know, I think that everything is mind over matter. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I think that there's no such thing, you know? <laughs> there's no such anything that you can put your mind to. If somebody else can do it, you can do it. 
you know, it might take longer. The path might look a little different, uh, but there's the sky really is the limit. It really just comes down to belief. And my life is a testament of that. You know, I'm from this little town, Springfield, Massachusetts. And um, I often think, I remember being a little girl and saying, I wonder where you'll be at 15. I wonder where mm. you'll be in life at 25. Like I used to sit and imagine those things. And um, I do the same thing now, right? Because the imagination is where you can, <laughs> where you can start to to manifest and and a dream of the life that you want and the experiences that you want to have. And um, yeah, sky sky is the limit. There's there's nothing too hard for God. That's how I look at it. Yeah, I also love the fact that you speak with the rawness with you know your past about it being in an abusive relationship and sort of just moving past that with that shame and, and that stigma that's attached to it. Uh, it's often hard because I know I felt shame with cancer. I, I, it sounds strange to most people, but I felt felt shame. I felt that somehow I caused it. Somehow I wasn't smart enough to avoid it. Somehow um, people would look at me, you know, with pity. So I love the fact that you sort of brought that home in, um, in the piece. Yeah, you know, I made a promise to myself as a teenager when I started seeing my cousins go through, you know, toxic and domestic, domestically violent relationships, that it would never be me. I was like, it just it won't be me. Okay, I know exactly what to look for. I know who exactly, <laughs> you know, and if he does this, I'm going to break up with him. And You know, I was very calculated. I, I thought it could never be me. And that relationship taught me it can be anybody mm. yeah it doesn't matter if you write books about self-esteem doesn't matter if you have good self-esteem it doesn't matter if you you know go to church or have a relationship with god or make money or don't make it does not matter um because at the end of the day there's something in you that uh, has to heal and um, I'm fortunate in the way that I had a family to support me and to help get me out of that relationship before it was too late. And I developed so much compassion um, and understanding of women that in the past I judged, right? I have I judged them. I was like, oh, she needs to work on herself. She doesn't love herself. How could she let him talk to her like that? How could this, and these are like people that I love where I'm the one fight, you know, ready to go to war to fight their boyfriends, you know, for disrespecting them. And, you know, when it was my time in, in the same circumstances, I was like, your, your head is spinning. Like literally you, like your head is spinning. You can't really grasp, especially with gaslighting and, you know, all the emotional abuse and mental abuse. You can't really quite grasp what's going on and then sometimes there's people who have children, you know, or who don't have the freedom to literally get up and go. I got up and got up, got a flight and was gone, right? <laughs> a lot of people don't have that freedom, right? A lot of people um, don't even feel like they have the choice. So, you know, I don't wish domestic violence or any kind of violence on anyone. You know, that's why compassion is so important. Um, and also supporting and loving on, truly loving on, you know, the people who are in relationships that are domestically violent. Um, and again, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I was able to see it, 
experience it and and get out and and do the introspective work and the healing um so that i'm not even attractive you know to to men you know who have those tendencies but men who are whole because truth is they're hurt too yeah 100 percent so what are your five steps that someone can take to become more resilient okay so Step one is identifying what the challenges are. So you have to have a practice of reflection, right? It's a daily practice, mm-hmm. <laughs> reflecting um, and discovering that resilience is something that's already inside of you, right? That's something that's really important as well as faith, mm-hmm. having faith. I don't know where I would be without my faith in God um, and without having the word to rely on. Um, as a tool of empowerment and a source of strength. Um, and also, you know, meditation has really allowed me to be able to calm down inside um, and to, to silence my thoughts and to, again, imagine and envision the outcomes that I want to have. Um, and that goes to my third tip, which is the mind, strengthen the mind, the mind, the mind, because this is the captain of the ship, okay? <laughs> the captain of the ship. Uh, I have an uncle who who always says, you know, you, you drive the ship. Don't let the ship drive you. Mm-hmm. You be in control of your mind. Don't let your mind be in control of you. Um, the mind is a really sensitive place, you know, the subconscious and you know, all of the information and things that were just given so much information, but you have to be able to to quiet the mind um, so that you can see and think clearly. That's something that's really important and meditation helps with that. Uh, next is your wellness, right? Mm. It's so important. Health is well. So if your body isn't well, if you aren't giving yourself the nutrients and the water and the movements or exercise in the sun all of these things that you need you know for your instrument (laughs) for your um your engine to run right it's like putting really whack gas in a luxury car Mm. you don't want to do that (laughs) the car is gonna give out (laughs) um and it's it's hard enough dealing with illness and challenges that are going to to happen because it's life anyway um, so embracing a lifestyle of wellness really allows you to have a great quality of life. And that's what you want to focus on. How do I feel every day? I want to feel good. What are the things I have to do in order to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, last is learning from others. Mm-hmm. Right. So being a sponge and taking in the lessons and the wisdom and experiences from others. So maybe you don't have to learn as maybe it won't take as long as it did (laughs) for you to learn the lesson that you know someone that you know um may have learned and so you know not being arrogant and but just being a sponge and and taking life in the way you see it and being a good listener you know a lot of us have a lot to say but we learn so much more by listening Mm. so those are my my tips Awesome. So I want to transition now to the portion where I call brainstorming. So there was a question I asked about creating a movement and your answer was so simplistic, but so powerful on love and compassion. I thought maybe we could figure out ways to maybe create that or have that be something that people honor more rather than honor 
maybe some of the things that give them a quick high? Mm. Yeah, a movement of love and compassion is really, I think, the the core of what would help to alleviate a lot of that pain that we were talking about that we experience. And really, you have to have love and compassion from within. You can't give something that you don't have. So what are the things you have to forgive yourself of? Who are the people that you have to forgive? Um, why do you love you? That's a great way to start. <laughs> you know, asking some questions, you'll be surprised if you just kind of sit with a pen and paper to do the work. What, what thoughts come to you? You know, I'm recognizing some people have come up in environments where they've never even been told, I love you, yep. right? They don't really have a, a true concept of what love is. And so love is the, the care to all, man. <laughs> and compassion is the, the path and how we get there. Um, and if we can develop that for ourselves and within ourselves, then we can give it to other others. And that would help uh, for us not to have such a world with so much violence and poverty uh, and, and pain. We would see our brother or our sister and we would help <laughs> as compassion. You know, we would come together to solve the, the issues and concerns of the world. Yeah, I think what comes to mind for me with those two words, with love and compassion, is really this idea of trying to figure out that life is much more than just what you see and what you do. It's an interplay of emotions, it's learning. I got caught up, especially in, fi in family mm -hmm. dynamics, and I forgot you know, that they're people too. Like, they're my family, but I they're people. Just like a friend I have a problem with, they're people. I think people forget that sometimes. So I think love and compassion starts at the root base with family and seeing family as an extension of people. And I think if people can have that type of understanding or thinking or consciousness of it, it makes the problems less daunting. That's just my thought. Yeah. That's really great. I love that. I have been, you know, practicing this. It's not, it's not that big of a dealness within myself. And that's really helping me get through some of the junk when things happen that piss me off, right? Cause I'm human too. <laughs> I'm human still and I get caught in my head still and I, I still get fearful and I make certain decisions. You have to recognize when you're in your human experience yeah. And when you are in your conscious being experience <laughs> and, and just like say, okay, I'm tripping. Let me come into my conscious self. Um, and it's a constant practice. You know, it's, um, it's like tennis, yep. you know, it's a constant uh, journey. It really is. And just reminding ourselves, everybody has their own problems and their own soul growth to do at the end of the day. And most times it really probably doesn't even have that much to do with you. Yeah, well said. So where can my audience listeners learn more about you? Okay, audience listeners. So you can learn more about myself, my books, uh, my services by visiting sakinaibrahim.com, S-A-K-I-N-A-I-B-R-A-H-I-M. Or you can 
visit me on Instagram, my favorite social media channel, <laughs> Sakina, S-A-K-I-N-A underscore world. I'm very active on there. I have a lot of fun chatting and sending memes to each other. So drop me some memes. <laughs> and I'm also available on Twitter and Facebook at the same Sakina world. Wonderful, Sakina. Well, this was fascinating. I truly enjoyed this conversation with you. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank sure. you for having me. Sure. I really hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast episode of The Human We Solve. If you feel that others may enjoy this episode as well, please share socially at The Human Resolve. You can also visit my website, thehumanresolve.com, where I offer one-on-one coaching sessions, a subscription to my weekly newsletter, where I probe into the secrets from living smarter to feeding your three brains, and my author website, isurvivedcancer.co, where you can purchase my number one best-selling book, I Survived Cancer and Here Is How I Did It. 35 cancer survivors share their journey and view the book trailer, including excerpts from the book. If you could also help me out and give me a review and rating on this podcast platform, because I do care what you have to say, I would really appreciate it. Now, get out there, my friends, and get busy living.